Good morning. Um, It's awesome to stand up here before you today and talk about God's heart for the fatherless. Um, A lot of times when we think about adoption, orphan care, we think about our adoption of human beings, how we care for the orphans in our world. And and, and where I want to kind of camp out today, and we're going to go there, um, is God's adoption of us. And when we talk about adoption, I got to tell you, first of all, I want to go ahead and say we, we've, we're coming off this incredible youth ministry retreat and my voice is almost gone. So we're going to get through this with a, a shot of the spirit and uh, some, some throat lozenges that some people gave me before I started uh, speaking. So we're going to make it through uh, if you'll bear with me. But um, for me to stand up here today and, and, and talk about God's heart for the fatherless and, and adoption is just kind of a, a crazy thing and just... Speaks to how, what a great sense of humor the Lord has. Um, two years ago, if you told me that I'd be up here today talking about and uh, pre- preaching about God's heart for the orphan and, and, and adoption, I would have laughed at you. Or maybe to be more polite, I would have said something nice or kind and then gone in another room and laughed at you. Uh, because um, we've just come, come a long way. I'm so indebted to so many people in my life who have instilled um, this compassion for orphans and have taught me about God's love and His own heart for the fatherless. Um, especially my wife. I mean, she's just, she's had this heart for so long. For whatever, you know, dumb reason, I was just so far behind. But you know, there, today there's so many people that are way more knowledgeable than me about this. Um, People that are just more qualified. There are people that honestly have way bigger hearts than I do to talk about this, to share about this. Uh, but somehow, by the grace of God today, I'm up here. I'm just begging uh, for him to, to speak to us through his word and somehow to use a broken vessel like myself to, to talk about orphan care uh, and adoption. I'd like for you to turn to... Um, Ephesians 1, that's where we're going to be for a second. I don't know how many of you have seen, uh, I was joking with uh, first service earlier, um, Daryl Dapridge got up in first service and he did the communion thoughts. And the whole Dapridge family, they were wearing t-shirts today and say that Superman was adopted. And I love that and, and I almost wanted to be like, well, that's it. That's all we need to know. There's no need for any further motivation. Let's shut the Bible. Let's all go leave and go eat lunch early. That's all you need to know. Superman was adopted. I thought that was great. And you'll see in, in, in the church today, lots of people wearing adoption t-shirts, orphan care t-shirts. And many of those people make up our, our orphan care support group. And they just have a tremendous heart, y'all. And if you have any questions about adoption and orphan care, they've had such a huge hand in, in putting together this day. My part has been so small. I'd be sure to thank them and, and recognize them. And, and if you've got questions or you want to hear their stories, uh, they'd be some great people to talk to. But you're in Ephesians 1. Um, I don't remember too many talks my youth minister gave growing up. Now, that's a terrible thing to say. Like a youth group standing over here, they're like, man, you teach us every week. And you want us to remember everything that you say. i got to be honest. There's not too many individual lessons that several years later I can say I remember that. But there's one that I will never forget. And I can see it as clearly as I can in my mind's eye today. Uh, it, he went in the primary youth ministry. He was a, a, a youth leader. And he was given a, a Sunday school on Ephesians 1, 
talking about the spiritual blessings in Christ, I can still see him writing them one by one by one on the whiteboard. And that lesson, for whatever, is really stuck with me. And we're going to be in Ephesians 1 today. But he, he went through like all these spiritual blessings in Christ. And I love this passage. And we're not going to read the entire thing. But these are the things that he wrote down. God chose us. We have holiness, blamelessness in his sight. We have adoption, which we'll talk about, of course, today. We have his glorious grace, redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, wisdom, understanding, unity. We have the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I can see Daniel writing all these things. And I envision Paul as he was writing this to the Ephesians, Ephesian church. Just being just absolutely giddy about all that he possessed in Christ. And obviously he had the Holy Spirit on him. But you get the sense that he's writing this big, long, run-on expression of worship that's just... It's so full. We have everything we need in Jesus Christ. And there's one spiritual blessing that we read in there today that I believe serves as kind of the foundation for all the others. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today is Orphan Sunday. But what God has given us in his word about orphans and adoption is not just for those of us who, who may or may not feel called to adoption or a certain level of committed orphan care. It's for everybody. It's for everybody here today. You know, many people, maybe even some of you, when you, when you hear about adoption or this, this doctrine, you think, well, that's kind of social gospel, right? That's just kind of one stream in many that maybe we need to pay attention to. And I want to debunk that from the very beginning today and say that adoption is not social gospel. It is the gospel, pure and simple, this morning, church. And that's what we're going to see here in Ephesians, and it's all over Scripture. J.I. Packer, a theologian, says, Adoption is the highest privilege the gospel offers. And when Daniel was teaching that when I was in high school and I listened to that lesson, he probably read over adoption. I probably didn't think much of it, and I don't remember him highlighting adoption. Certainly not as the highest privilege the gospel offers, but I believe that today. Adoption is the sovereign and gracious act of God, whereby in love he declares you and I, rebellious sinners, to be his sons and daughters, members of his own family. Well, let's read the word again in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Then we're going to pray for God to move. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has so freely given us. In the one he loves. Father, what we want today is for you to move. For you to move in hearts. 
And for what we say in here today, God, for what you tell us in your word, I pray that there will be a deep and lasting response. Father, it would be a tremendous loss if we walked out of here today and, and said, well, that was, just, that was a good service. It's a decent sermon. And we did nothing. Father, the gospel demands a response. And I pray that today that we will listen intently to what you have to say to us in your word. And that we will meditate on and investigate and, and look deep into the mystery of the gospel that you have adopted us into your family. Father, strengthen my voice, strengthen my spirit, strengthen our hearts as we listen. Open our eyes, our ears, minds, and hearts, our whole beings to what you have to say to us today. We love you and we love your heart and we want your heart to be our very own. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk today about the when and the how and the why of adoption in Scripture. God's adoption of us. The when of adoption. The word says that God chose us in him before the creation of the world. When did God adopt us? The word says that he, he, he adopted us before the creation of the world. Before the very beginning, God was forming his family as he longed to be a father. And that this adoption was his plan since from the very, very beginning, it was not something that was secondary. It was not some alternative option. It was not plan B. You know, sometimes we think, we think about creation, we think about how God created us. We think, well, of course we're God's children. You know, of course, you know, he made us, right? So, so we're God's children. We're kind of entitled to that. We kind of feel like, well, that's just kind of our, our birthright, but that's not what the word says, right? Church, scripture teaches that this is not true, that we are not by nature children of God. In fact, Ephesians 2 says that we're children of wrath. We're sons and daughters of disobedience. In John 8, Jesus is talking to the Jews that had believed in him. And he says that they are children of the devil. Children of wrath. Sons and daughters of disobedience. Our sin. It, make, it made us ugly. It makes us unattractive, undesirable. Yet God chose us in Him before the creation of the world. Knowing our rebellious spirit, knowing of our sin, He adopted you and me into His family. Premeditated it. Predestined it. Before the creation of the world. I think that's just Unbelievable. You know, we're not just in God's family by accident or birthright. We didn't just show up unexpectedly on his doorstep. We are in God's family because it is by his design. It's how God designed it from the very beginning. In fact, before the very beginning, one author said it this way. In adoption, we go from being a child of the devil to becoming a child of God. From being a child of wrath to becoming the object of God's favor. From a child of condemnation to becoming an heir of the promises and the possessor of all blessings. 
You know, in, in adoption, oftentimes children are rescued from some pretty awful or maybe horrific circumstances where their lives are headed in one way and they're adopted and they're brought into an, a new situation, a new family. You know, it's, my, it's my belief that, that had we not been enabled by the grace of God, by no heroic act of our own, but by the grace of God to bring grace, my daughter, our daughter, into our family, that she was headed for a, a, a fairly hostile life. And I can't pinpoint, I don't know exactly what might have happened, but, but without the grace of God providing us a way to bring her home into her forever family, there's no telling, you know, what she might have faced. But my spiritual state before I was adopted by God was infinitely worse, infinitely worse than what grace might have faced were she not adopted. Ephesians 2 says that I was dead in my sin. I was deserving of wrath. John Piper, an author that many of you read and familiar with, says it this way. All of God's adoptions crossed a greater moral and cultural divide than any of our adoptions could. The distance between what we are and what God is is infinitely greater than any distance between us and the child that we might adopt. God crossed the greatest cultural barrier to redeem and adopt us. That's the win of adoption. God chose us. It was his design. He chose us before the creation of the world. Second, the how of adoption. What enables this great and sovereign act? How does this happen? The word says that it was according to the wonder of his love. In love, church, in love, God predestined us. For adoption. I believe that the heartbeat of the gospel is adoption. Oftentimes, when we think about that word, when we think about gospel, when we think about the good news, our minds immediately go to, to justification. This great and incredible truth that God now pronounces us innocent. That we are not guilty of sin any longer because of the perfect sacrifice of the perfect Lamb of God who takes away our sins and we are forgiven, we are pardoned. We were deserving of wrath, but now we are not because God says you are not guilty. We're justified freely in his sight because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That is an incredible truth. But if justification is the head of the gospel and then it removes your sin and your guilt, then adoption is the heart of the gospel. Because it welcomes us into God's house. It gives us a room. And it sets us at the table. We're not just set free from from death and slavery and left to fend for ourselves out on the streets. No, God does not leave us there. He says, come into my house. Be my own. You belong to me. You're my son. You're my daughter. I'm going to give you the best of what I've got. You're not just going to scrape by. You belong to me. Adoption is the heart of the gospel. In justification, God is a righteous judge who sets us free. And in adoption, God is a loving father who says, come home with me. Do you love the heart of the father? Hear me say, I don't believe that justification is any less important 
than adoption. That's not what I'm saying this morning. You, you, we have to have the wonderful and awesome grace and mercy of God to set us free. That's what justification does. But adoption is that next step. It's the extravagant grace of God that extends us on this gospel journey. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. I love the words of the song, How deep the Father's love for us. Some of you know it. How vast beyond all measure that He would give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. To make a wretch His treasure. See, when I adopted, when we adopted grace, we thought grace was beautiful. We had nothing to do with it, of course, but you know, she's, just, she's beautiful, she's perfect, she's desirable. You know. But God chose me when I was a sinner, when I was not desirable at all. I was ugly, I was dead in my sin, and God brought me home. It's the heartbeat of the gospel. And the why of adoption. Why would God do this? Why would God love us so much? What would motivate His love to bring us home and be with Him forever like this? The only thing we know in Scripture, this great mystery, Paul says it's in accordance with His pleasure and will. And it pleased God to adopt us. You ever thought about that? God didn't do this under compulsion. Nobody guilted the Father into adopting you and me and bringing us home to be with Him and His family. He did not have to do it. The Word says that it was done in accordance with His pleasure and His will, and it pleased God to do this. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. So far as I know, God is the only being in the universe that does whatever He wants to do. He does it however He wants to do it. He does it whenever He wants to do it. What an incredible God. And, and, and how can we not be moved that that kind of God that, that has all the power in the universe that does whatever He wants to do would bring us home. You and me is small as we are, he would bring us home. He would welcome us at his table. Out of this adoption come to us, his children, innumerable blessings. And we read through some of them in Ephesians 1. But I'm going to talk about four others that we can marvel at this morning. And they're there on your outline. Nothing crazy. I could probably not speak and you would, you'd be able to fill in the blanks. But the first thing is, because we are adopted, God is our loving Father. God is a loving Father. He is not, he is not just a master, creator. He's not just a judge. He's not merely a teacher. He is now a Father, a loving provider. And protector deeply in love with you and me, His children. In fact, this is so important to the Father, so important to God that when Christ comes and kicks off his ministry and gives this incredible sermon on the mount that we're talking through in, in our in firehouse in the youth ministry, Jesus teaches us to pray. And you know what he says in the beginning? He says, 
When you pray, start, start this way. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Don't you just love that? The Lord Jesus teaches us to pray, and he says, Now, from now on, you address God as Father. He is your Father. Secondly, Jesus is our brother. He's our gracious brother. You remember this, the, the story of the prodigal son, one of the great stories in all of Scripture. There are two sons, and one rebels, and he wants to take his inheritance early from the father, and he goes, and, and, he, and he spends it all in wild living, away from the comfort of home, and all of a sudden, just like that, the, the, the money's gone and, and, and he is left in a desperate situation where the only thing he thinks he can do, the best option is to return to his father's house and beg to become a slave. And the word says that while he was still a long way off, his father who had been waiting, expecting, hoping, sees him and he, and he runs to him and he embraces him. And they have this huge party. And it's just this story of extravagant grace as the father, you know, just pours out his love on his youngest son. It would be be great if that was the end of the story, but we know that there's some heartbreak in that story because you've got another character. You've got the elder brother who couldn't handle the truth, the grace of his father. And and he was jealous. He didn't want to share in the celebration. In fact, he wouldn't even come in. He didn't want to share any more inheritance. Contrast that elder brother with our gracious brother, Jesus Christ, who wants to graciously share with us the inheritance of the Father. Romans eight seventeen. Patrick read it earlier in his communion thoughts. Now, if we are children... Then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I've got two sons, Jonah and Micah, biological children. And I've got a daughter, Grace, who we adopted four months ago. Grace is my child every bit as much as Jonah and Micah are. She is my daughter. It matters not the color of her skin. It matters not that she doesn't look a thing like me or Crystal. It it, it matters not who birthed her biologically. She is our daughter. It does not matter that she is adopted. She is our child. And all the blessings and privileges that come to my son's as my children also are extended to my daughter, Grace. And my sons, Jonah and Micah, will graciously share in that inheritance and the blessings and the privileges with their sister. They will be gracious brothers. (laughs) And they love their sister. She's not second rate. They pour out love extravagantly on her. They can't get out of her face enough. They love their sister. We have a gracious elder brother, Jesus Christ, who loves us and graciously shares 
the wonderful inheritance of God with us and along with the Father welcomes us to the table. The third thing, the Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit seals the deal. You know, He finalizes the adoption. Okay? Later in Ephesians 1, in verse 13, it says, You were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. He seals the deal. We have the Holy Spirit. It is by the Spirit that we're privileged to call God, Abba. Abba. Romans 8, 14 and 15. Just keep reading the word. So good. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry out, Abba. You've heard before, perhaps, that Abba is Aramaic for Father. And it literally means Papa or Daddy. And I've got a confession to make this morning. For years I've heard people pray even in public, to, to Daddy, God, or to, to Papa. And I thought, man, that's just, this is just how dark my heart is. It's just so irreverent. You're calling your God your, your Daddy. He's your Heavenly Father. Get it right. That's just not, that's just not right because the Word says it. The Word says that He is your Papa. He, he, he is your daddy. He longs to be called daddy. He wants that, that term that connotes that intimate, that most intimate of relationships to be used. And the spirit enables us to cry out, Abba. Nobody calls me daddy except my kids. Jonah and Micah call me daddy and it pleases me to answer to Daddy. I don't want them to call me father. All right? I just, I, I, and I don't know when they're going to stop calling me daddy. I call my dad, dad. You know, I'm, I'm already mourning the day where they decide I'm, I'm too old to call you daddy. You, you, you fathers that are, that are much you know, older than me, you, you, you remember maybe when your kids stopped calling you that. Or maybe you're lucky enough they still call you that. Uh, I love, I love to listen to and respond to daddy. And we serve a God who longs to hear the same thing. Spirit enables us to cry Abba. And the fourth is that we, the family, the household of God, are the church. Because we are adopted, we make up the household of God. We all meet together. We come around the table together like we did this morning. We are the church. We are united together. We have a common Father, a common faithful and gracious brother, a common guide in the Holy Spirit. We are united together. In Luke 2, you'll remember that Jesus' parents conduct this frantic search as they've just been to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And three days pass on the, on the trip back and they cannot find Jesus. They don't see Jesus. They search for him frantically among their relatives and their friends and he's nowhere to be found. If you've lost a child before, like you can't find him in the story, you, you know how heart-wrenching that can be, right? 
Three days they couldn't find their son, their 12-year-old son. They make the trip back to Jerusalem and you know that he was found sitting among the rabbis. Talking about the law, talking about Torah. And it says that they were amazed at his understanding. They were amazed at his answers. And Joseph and Mary run up to Jesus. They, they find him and they, and they say, how could, there's some rebuke in their voice. How could you displease? How could, how could you disobey? Why could you? I'm going to wring your neck, Jesus. How could you treat us this way? And don't you just love the response of a 12-year-old boy? Mom. Dad. You're being kind of silly. Didn't you know? Didn't you know? I had to be in my father's house. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? There's no disrespect in Jesus' voice. There's no disregard for their authority. The word even says that after that he went home with them, he was obedient to them, and then he grew in stature and favor with God and man. But mom and dad, didn't you know this is this is what I'm here? This is this is what I'm about. I'm about my father's business. Church, are we about our father's business? Are we about the family business? Are we committed to it as Jesus, our brother, was? Jesus has set a pattern for us. He has left behind the Holy Spirit who guides us in carrying out the Father's business so that we must do as we see the Father doing what we see Jesus doing. The Father's heart in Scripture is clear. It's deliverance. It's setting the captives free. It's proclaiming freedom and reconciliation. It's bringing hope to the hopeless. And it is adoption and caring for the defenseless and the fatherless. It's the Father's heart and not resting until there's no one left in the orphan's bed. We, the church, The household of God are his plan. We carry out his good work, including, and I believe especially, the task of adoption and orphan care. So knowing the Father's heart, what's our response? What do we do? Well, I believe the answer is clear in Scripture. Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God. So therefore we are called to make the Father's business our business. We're called to have the Father's heart. His heart is to be ours. You know, I understand that there are many good works that God in His mercy has prepared in advance for His body, the church, to do. And I understand that there are many different ways that, that we are gifted and different callings. But I believe this calling is for everybody, that everybody in here is called, commanded, privileged to share in the Father's business of adoption and orphan care. I believe it wholeheartedly. I've got concerns that this divine responsibility to adopt, to care for orphans in foster care, in hands-on sponsorship, and other ways, is a task that the church has largely ignored. Because we suffer from depraved indifference. Some of you have seen the video by Eric Ludy. And we showed it last year in Orphan Sunday in the, during the classes. Or we know there's a problem. We've heard the statistics. 
But it's half a world away. And so we can go to bed at night comfortable, heated or cooled in our own beds, just hoping that somebody will take care of those poor children. But the responsibility is ours. It can't be outsourced. We are plan A. God's plan from the very beginning was to adopt us so that his glory would be made known to all of the nations. So our plan A must be to do whatever it takes to see the day when orphanages are no longer needed. To see the day when 147 million is no longer a relevant or talked about statistic. Talk to the men for just a second. We are the leaders of the church. We've been entrusted to lead the church and to lead our families. We men have got to be on the front lines in this battle, in this fight for those who have nobody to advocate for them. But but what I see in my own life is, and and the, and, and the ladies are commended. Because y'all are on the front lines and we're like tagging along in the back like, oh, do we have to? I mean, my heart was so far behind crystals in this journey. It's not even funny. But God has said, you are the leader, guys. You are the leader, men. So when you leave this place today and your wives ask you, what what are we going to do? How how are we going to respond? Don't say, uh... That's not really our, it is, it's the father's heart. And I beg you guys to, to lead the fight for the day when there are no children waiting to be adopted. We got to have that vision. I understand there's hindrances to adoption. I understand that full well. And those, there's so many, we've been through the process. There's so many that know so many, so much more. About it, and they've been exposed way more than I have to the discomforts and the risks and the costs. But there, it is costly, and I really struggle with this in the beginning. Why does it cost so much? Dadgum it! That's a buddy word. Buddy says dadgum. I can say it. Why does it cost so much? And, and you know, it, obviously, it costs God everything. It cost Him the life of His only Son to adopt us so that we could be brought into His family. The Lord Jesus Christ took on our sin. And it hit me, and this is not a profound truth, but perhaps God wants it to be costly for us. He wants us to sacrifice as He sacrificed. I know there's there's the risks associated. I had people uh, for the past you know few years and before, as I knew Crystal's heart for this, and I wasn't quite there yet. I had somebody share with me, a few people share with me, just kind of their stories they knew about adoption that, it, it frankly, had some heartache associated with it, a lot of it, and some suffering. And there's suffering in adoption for us, just like there's suffering in adoption for the Lord Jesus Christ as we continue to rebel as his sons and daughters. But they just outline story after story after story. There are risks. There is perhaps maybe a loss of comfort as you've got your 5 and 10 and 20 year plans mapped out. And today that doesn't include the adoption of a child. I love what Daryl says in his communion thoughts. He says there's room for one more in our family. 
I love that heart. I love that perspective. One author says the greatest indication of the legacy, think about this men, especially the greatest indication of the legacy we leave behind or the kind of men we were will not be how much comfort we provided our family, but how much we were willing to risk in passionate pursuit of the father. We've been so blessed, Chris and I, to, to, to have been sent to and called to serve in a church that, that loves the orphan in so many different ways. It's really beautiful. So blessed to belong to a church family that has families that have gone through or are going through the adoption process that have taught us so much and encouraged and strengthened our own hearts. What we're going to do now is, is, is watch a video that John put together. It's just an, a great and, and wonderfully creative, heartwarming video. And, and it kind of highlights some of the stories of the people in this church body that have been through this journey or are, are going through it right now. Enjoy this video. Where's Griffin, man? Griffin taking that cruise like that. Crazy. Linebacker or something. It was, a, it was a great video. I appreciate John putting that together and... And uh, so many people in this church that, that, that want to talk with you and, and, and tell you their stories and encourage your heart. Um, we're so grateful. You know, there's so many ways. We've talked a lot about adoption today and that great doctrine that God's adopted us into his family. But the truth is there's so many other ways in addition to adoption to care for the orphans. I'd love to call your attention in your lifelines today. Uh, there's, a, there's an insert in there uh, that, that has several different kinds of, of ways that you can care for the fatherless, um, they're broken up into kind of three different categories depending on how committed uh, you'd like to be, or, or you know maybe you want to get your feet wet a little bit. I'm not suggesting everybody's going to run out of here and adopt. I understand not everybody may be called to that, uh, but there's there's crawl and walk and run options uh, in there. And um, in fact, in this church, uh, one of the ways you can bless those who want to adopt in this church family. <clears throat> And I pray that, that there are just more and more and more every day uh, is, is, is this, that Landmark has started an adoption account uh, for families who are in the process of adopting. And this account is designed to help with uh, families' travel expenses that are associated with their adoption, which can be, as you can imagine, uh, very uh, significant. Uh, you can donate to this account at any time during the year. Uh, it doesn't matter when. And if you are interested, uh, contact the church office and they'll let you know how you can uh, proceed with that. Out in the lobby today, there are several tables uh, set up of, of, of people and, and organizations that are committed to the cause of the fatherless, including APAC from DHR officials who kind of walked with several people in our church that went through adoption classes, and they're here to strengthen your heart and, and, and help in any way. So I'd encourage you on your way out to kind of stop by some of those tables uh, and pick up some information. Church, I really encourage you to get really serious about investigating into and looking into the Father's heart for adoption, orphan care, and discovering how you can be a part of that. Pray about adoption. Pray about foster care. Pray how you can be involved. Some of you have read the book, and we'll close with this. A, a, a woman by the name of Katie Davis wrote the book, Kisses from Katie. And when she was interviewed in a, in a, recent, uh, in a recent interview with a, a major um, conference, she was asked what advice she would give to 
prospective adoptive families or people who, who, who may choose to be more involved in orphan care. She said, As, absolutely pray about it. Ask God. That I love what she closed with. What she said is, she said, I don't think he's going to say no. I love that. I don't think he'll say no because it's his heart. It's his business. And he's so gracious to let us share in that. Hey, you're here today and you have, um, you have a prayer request. The gospel demands a response, pure and simple. And, and I want, we want to invite you to, to respond to this gospel message. Maybe today will be the, the first time ever that you've surrendered fully to Jesus Christ. Come and, and do that. Make that a public commitment today. Maybe put Christ on in baptism. Or share whatever needs that you have, whatever you're going through. This is a church that loves to pray and wants to rally around you and support you. So we have some cards up here that you can come up and fill out and, and, and give to us. Or maybe today's message has, has pricked your heart and, and, and you want prayers about how you are to proceed. One of the ways you can respond is to come forward today. I want to invite you to do that as we stand and worship together.